Okay, welcome to the You Teach podcast. This is going to be our very first episode of the You Teach podcast, and who knows how many there'll be. They might this might be the only one we record. My name is Omar Lisondo. I'm a You Teach master teacher at the You Teach RGV Edinburgh campus, and with me I have our very first interview, a student by the name of Ramsey Quintanilla. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure having me this morning. All right, I'm glad you showed up. I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you're enthusiastic about this. Uh, so we, you know, this will be a very organic conversation let's just make it that a conversation about what you teach but we could talk about other things as well so don't be shy <laughs> talk about yourself and things start with things like that so what's your major uh my major is biology and then it's of course under the you teach program so i'm studying under i'm studying for secondary so we focus on life science so hopefully for high school teaching for teaching high school with freshmen so you want to teach bio mm-hmm that's correct. What about chem or physics? Uh, I've had less than stellar experiences with either of them, so I, I stick to bio stuff I know I know better, if that makes any sense. So you feel like you, you like you like it, but you also feel you know it. Yes. I mean, so what are some of the instances that you've had that you didn't really have an affinity towards physics or chem? Uh, physics, it's just unfortunately, I, I as much as I don't like to say this, I just had a string of like bad luck when it comes to like teachers with it. And I don't blame them entirely, but it's just the teaching method and the way I learn. It's two com- drastically different things. So it's, of course, physics is very, uh, it's a very conceptual thing where you have to almost, you have to imagine what's going on on the paper. So where you're um, looking at the XY coordinates and so on and so forth. I don't learn like that. I learn more kinesthetically. So the labs, I understand a lot. I, when it comes to labs and physics, I understand that a lot better than when I'm in a lecture room, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I Most people tend to learn kinesthetically, and that's how I learn. Like, I can't really sit down for too long. I always got to be trying something new and getting my hands wet whenever possible. So I, I understand what you're coming from. Uh, we could probably talk about that a little bit more uh, later on in the podcast. But, yeah, I, I think we're in the same boat. Uh so, I mean, what courses are you currently taking in the UTeach program? Uh, just currently, I'm taking UTeach 1101, uh, the, introdu- the inquiry-based acro- approach to teaching, and then uh, 43, uh, Read 4305, which I know is required for the program, but I can't remember the name of the course right now. Content literacy uh, area. It's um, That course, I unfortunately, and I feel so bad that I can't remember the name because the course itself and the professor are amazing. But it essentially is teaching me about uh, like the other side of special education and understanding like um, uh, certain disabilities, I guess, for lack of a better word, unfortunately, but uh, such as uh, dyslexia. And then um, I'm learning about the other programs in education, such as um, the special education program, uh, GT students, uh, 404, stuff like that. 504. 504. Yeah. There we go. You know, and that that's a huge factor that sometimes students get neglected on in the UTeach program and we're making efforts to change that we really are uh, sometimes students we've done evaluations and students have said like I just didn't feel I was ready for special education and all of us in the program I said we need to remedy that so we're working on that so I'm glad to hear that you're getting that in the read course uh, most people would assume that the read course is more associated with reading read. which it is right but there's also an emphasis on as you say, the special education population. Mm-hmm. That's great, I'm happy to hear that. That's a wonderful concept. Uh, so I'm not teaching your step one course, but I've been in it sometimes. So I do wanna talk about the read class, but I wanna talk a little bit more about the step one class. Okay. Uh, how's that experience been going for you? Uh, honestly, nothing short of amazing. I 
without, I guess, mentioning specifically the prior name of my school, because I don't want to go into the legality of that here with the podcast. No, <laughs> but um, at my previous uh, school before UTRGV, I didn't exactly get that much experience in the field. I got experience teaching, per se, with a job that I held with the school district locally where I was at before. So that was my first real foray into it. But through the school, I hadn't gotten anything. And here, right out of the bat or right off, right out of the gate, I was already like, all right, this is what we're doing. This is what you're going to be doing in the classroom. Here's some strategies for it. And then here's an observation so you can go into the classroom, see what your students are going to be like. And then next week, here you go. You're in the classroom. You're teaching. And then that was that's been an experience all of its own. And I've loved it. And then not to just mention that it's it's like getting to meet the people that I have and like getting to speak to people who have the experience in the classroom. It's been it's been a phenomenal experience. So you came from a different university? Yes. Oh, okay. South South Texas University or somewhere else? Uh, far, far north, uh, about the, around the city of Lubbock. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't even know that. So where are you from originally? Born and raised here in the Valley. So you got accepted to another university out of the valley, yeah. Okay, and then you came back. Why'd you come back? Uh, financial reasons. It got real. It got real pricey, and then it's just uh, some some things went on up there that if if I if you don't mind if I can gloss over that I'm not necessarily just. It's well, not that we I'm don't, not. We don't need to go over anything you don't want to go over. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just asking, you know. But like, so, so stuff happened, right? Yeah. Stuff happened, right? That, that's you know, I have a, I could tell you the story about that about how I, I I was at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, and man, money became a big issue. And, really? and this was in 08 and there was a recession and so I had to make a decision so I moved back to the valley right I think if you meet a lot of students around here in South Texas you're going to hear a lot about that like money's an issue and that's universal for students right mm-hmm. but you had that experience so were you going down the education route yes I had been going down the education route at my prior university for a year and a half wow okay so you come in you have this new experience you try out you teach and how did you hear about you teach? Uh, I initially heard about it when I was first in like studying or looking up research or researching universities that had education programs. So of course, one of the first ones I'd stumbled across was you teach program and how it was nationwide. And of course that it was present here at UTRGV, that it was present at UT Austin and all these other schools outside of the state. And then I discovered my other school or my my prior school's program, and that was the one I ended up choosing because I had initially had the opportunity to go and meet like some of the students from the university, and then I toured the campus, and I just it clicked at, at that place in time. It clicked for me, and yeah. everything about it was just I know I wanted to go there. Okay, okay. How did you hear about it? So you said you did some searches, like some mm-hmm. Google searches, but how did you hear about the UTeach program as a whole? Uh, honestly, before that, it had been just through it been through my uh, guidance counselor there at um, my high school, mm-hmm. where like it was always, of course, like I, I was a dual enrollment student, so it was already like by the time my senior year came around, it was already like okay, we're gonna start getting ready to transfer you to UTRGV. What do you want to do with that? And at the time, I had been looking into psychology, but then I switched over like toward leaning more towards education, and that's really when I started first hearing about the U Teach program and like learning about it. Okay, so just hearing it from the counselors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We always try to ask that because, I mean, we're we're trying to get kids to, to come into the fold of the UTeach program, right? How did you hear about it? And the way we think about it is totally different than the way kids are going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Word of mouth is always a really good way to get information across. So you need to have 
a really good experience in it so that way the students can share those ideas uh, but then there's you know like advertising Facebook pages and stuff like that and and the concept of this podcast initially started because we wanted to have promotion of the program and for it not to just be a program there's a little bit more in depth to it so we're hoping people will listen to the podcast and say like oh well, I, w- I want to share in that experience mm-hmm. or he's saying things that are similar to what I've gone through so we're always asking that because we want to know you know what works for you it, in a weird way it's kind of like we we're the company and you're the customer and we want to how do we get you in, in yeah. here right so you can at least experience it one of the great things about at least the step one class that I like is that it opens up the door to two types of people the one is the person who says I want to try teaching they want to try mm-hmm. teaching and so they come in and they realize I love this this is what I want to do it's so rewarding but it's also great for the students who realize that this is not for them it would so unfortunate when you have students who go through a four-year program maybe even get a master's program and they say well I guess I'll teach I guess I have no choice but to teach they couldn't find a, a job with their degree and then they, they go in and they're not skilled they don't have the skills associated with it they they hate the job I mean that's a position that could have been filled by somebody who loves the job and is, is ready for it yeah of course uh, so it's it works in both ways you know is this for you or is this not for you and I don't know if I ever mentioned it in your in your class but a few years back we had a really good student she was excellent in step one so she did the elementary course then she moved over to step two the second course in the pathway and that's at a middle school and so I'm talking to her after one of her lessons she says what I learned from this so far is that I want to do elementary I'm like, what you're such a good <laughs> student and she says no I, I want to do elementary I love that experience so once again everybody coming into education might say I want to teach education but I want to do high school because they're quote-unquote more mature they're they'll learn more and go in more in depth but you might realize that you have the skills associated for elementary Unfortunately, because we don't teach secondary or we don't uh, certify secondary, she left the program, but she knew where she wanted to go. She knew the pathway. Mm-hmm. So it kind of seems like your experiences at your other university and the fact that you came over here with some experience that you had at the schools seems to be working in your favor. You know, so that's really good. Um, so you, ha- you started at the other university. Now you're here. So what's something you wish you had known when you first began college? When I first began college, oh, I have like a list of that. <laughs> Give me your top one. Uh, don't be afraid of failing. That is probably the first thing I'd tell myself right off the bat. In my experience, my first semester right out of high school, grad- just graduated my summer through and then right into my first semester at another university, I started off the bat with 17 hours. Wow. And... Of course, that's adjusting to new friends, a new area, new living situation, and all that that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And then on top of the 17 hours, right out of the gate, I kind of, I thought, okay, I'll be fine. But by the time the the middle of October rolled around, I was feeling it, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. But... I think that's the one thing I'd give the, that's the one like piece of advice if I could give my younger self, it's that don't be afraid to fail because that's when you learn the most. Yeah. So did you fail some classes or something? Yeah, I definitely, I, I may, I may have just scraped by that semester to put it nicely. Yeah. No, man, I, I, I messed up so much in college. <laughs> I worked hard. I tried my best, but sometimes it just wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And I made so many mistakes. So that, that is a really good example. Uh, 
because and I, I don't want it to turn into a conversation about me, but I, I, just to add to it, because as a master teacher for the program, I meet a, a lot of students who come into step one and we give them feedback on their lesson plans. And sometimes it's as if, now you've seen our feedback. Our feedback is very uh, constructive. Yes. Uh, we're not rude. We just say, hey, maybe you need to add this and change this vocabulary mm -hmm. here, expand on this. It, but okay go ahead i was gonna say uh it's like it's very it's very positive it's very positive uh constructive criticism if that yeah if that's a fair term yeah we're not we're trying to build you yes right build you up uh but sometimes it, some students have no experience with criticism at all so in the past i've heard of students saying like whoa i only speak for myself but like why is he why is he so mean i'm like i'm not mean what are you talking about <laughs> we're just trying to we want your lesson plan to be better we want you to, to be mm -hmm. successful and sure enough, I'll run into them later on in classes, uh, further down the line, and I'll say, "Hey, you remember that time that you thought I was a little mean?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. You're just trying to help us, right?" Mm -hmm. So, fear of failure is one thing, but there's actually a, an opposite concept that I've seen in like social social sciences, with like, which is to seek out failure. It's really weird. It's like uh, trying to like. Ask a, ask a girl out, right? Like, oh, man, if I ask her out, you know, she's just going to say no. And there's like this weird psychology that people should go out and say, like, I, I'm kind of hoping somebody will say no. It's a weird, like, it's the opposite mm -hmm. of what people are, are trying to perceive. Like, so go, go, go to a coworker and say, hey, can I have five bucks? <laughs> most coworkers will say, what? what do you I, would, I would think most coworkers in that instance would either say no or ask why. That'd be like my top guess right there. Yeah, you think so? Mm -hmm. Try it out. See what happens. <laughs> but people are scared to do that. Maybe it's embarrassing. They don't want to be perceived as needing money or something like that. But they're turning into their anxieties. Yeah. They're turning into their fears. And sometimes people will say, oh, sure, here's five bucks. And you're like, oh, darn it. I'm supposed to. I need to get you to, to reject me, mm -hmm. right? So turn into your fears. Turn into your anxiety. Directly confront them. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I understand what you're saying with that. So, yeah, see what happens. See what happens. And... I think a lot of kids are afraid of their GPA getting affected because that's such an important metric. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I, I, I can't fail. I need a high GPA. So that's some really good advice. Is there any other, any extras? Anything else you want to add in about that? I guess it's just the building off of building off of what we just talked about. It's that um, on top of not being afraid to fail, don't be afraid to seek out those new experiences. Uh, for instance, through an organization that's a statewide, I, I won't mention them by name for the legality reasons once again, but they, luck, uh, luckily enough, they sent me out to Minnesota the summer prior, not this summer, but last summer, yeah. and, I got to and I got to meet a bunch of other teachers and aspiring educators through that, and then this prior summer, I got to go out to Houston and do the same thing again, where I was meeting a bunch of other educators, so it was just this... And at first, when I was going into this or into that program, I didn't know really what to expect or what I was going to be getting myself into. But I did it because I knew at the time uh, I didn't want to just be that one college kid that was they went to classes, they did their homework, and then they just kind of were there in their dorm. Yeah, I didn't want to be that kid. So I knew I was like, all right, let me go ahead and throw myself out there, even if I feel even if I was uncomfortable with the idea of throwing myself out there. And how did that experience? How did you come out of that experience? I came out a lot better for it. I met a lot of good people. I have a lot of good friends that I keep in touch with from across the from across the country, and then it's just I have all this network of like ideas and strategies that I can use, like not only to better myself but in the in for my students once I start teaching. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just kind of just getting this network and then building this like stockpile of strategies. Yeah. No, that's really good because, you know, we, for anyone who's listening, we recently sent out a, a, a sign-up sheet to practice for step one lessons. And very mm -hmm. few students are taking us up on that. It's, it's something we're trying to figure out why. But for some reason, you decided to sign up for three days <laughs> on three different occasions. I'm like, dude, I think you got it at this point, man. I think, I think you're, you got the lesson. So it's, so based on what, we, what you just talked about and that, that reflection, it tells me that you're gonna, I'm going to keep going back. I mean, if I've got an hour, I, I'd rather spend it productively working on a lesson because you get one shot to, to do the lesson. You mm -hmm. want it to come out right. And that's great. Most students, they see me once. They see me twice. They see me when... when it's absolutely necessary, like a day before the lesson. Yeah, like right? they're like it's the it's a couple it's a couple hours before on or it's a couple hours on a Friday left, mm -hmm. and then they have they teach Monday, so they're already like stressing or they're already freaking out. Yeah, yeah. and that comes from your experience in teaching mm -hmm. with your networking, so you're seeing the value in preparation. Mm -hmm. That's excellent, and that that's exactly what we're looking for in the U Teach program. But so we I I asked you about some of your mistakes, you know, things you've learned from. You know, is there anything that you are personally very proud of? It could be anything. Um, something that I'm, I, I, I guess something that I'm personally proud of is just like that. I, I don't like to refer back to the time that I keep referring back to my past, obviously, but it's um, my experience working as a tutor in that in the school district that I was at when I was up there at my old university. Mm -hmm. And getting to like, I worked, uh, I worked as a tutor, so I'd work as a TA in an elementary and then I'd work as a tutor, a tutor, an actual tutor in a high school. So it'd be through um, the AVID program. I don't know if I can say that. Yeah. But we, we tried to focus on a lot of AVID strategies mm -hmm. in our program. I, uh, the, the school district that I worked at, they had, a, they had something called an AVID tutor. Yeah. Where it was, at least in the upper levels, so the high schools, the high schools more than the high schools and middle schools more specifically, I'd go in and I'd act more as a guide rather than an actual tutor where I'd sit down with the students and go work th with them through their problems. We'd be working through um, one student's problem in a small group of maybe four or five students max. Yeah. And they'd present to the group and then the group would themselves would guide, they would guide each other through the problem. Yeah. And if they started, like if they hit a wall or they got stuck, that's where I would step in and be, okay, what about if you try it this way? I wouldn't directly I wouldn't necessarily give them the answer. It's more guide them. Guiding, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And that's exactly what we want for our students. That's what we're trying to shove into their head, right? And, <laughs> and it's hard because they have all these years experience mm -hmm. from their school where it's just lecture, do this worksheet, lecture, do this worksheet. Here's a test, right? Mm -hmm. And they're getting quite a bit of that at their at their collegiate level. Uh, yeah, and, and and once you once you see it and once you perfect it, you realize how much more beneficial that is. Mm -hmm for the students and it's so much less work on your shoulders because you're the guy. Yeah. You're their coach. They have to play the game, but you're the coach. You're on the sidelines and you're emotionally invested, but you have to let them do it. Mm -hmm. That's so rewarding. So I mean, hearing that, that tells me you're already at a very good starting point. But it, you also have a year and a half or two years of, yeah. of experience. So that's good. And that is something to be proud of because that's a skill. And because it's a skill you can't buy it, uh, you can't steal it, you know, you have to earn it and you have to actually put in time. So that is something to be very proud of. Um, so at the university, at UTRGV or the UTeach program, you know, what resources have helped you so much 
to make it this far? Um, definitely, one of the things like you pointed out was those practice lessons, like at least at least specifically tying to the U Teach program and the eleven oh one course. Having those practice lessons, especially for someone like me, who I will stress about it, coming in and being able to get like mul- like specifically in this instance where I was able to get multiple perspectives from you and then the other master teachers. Yeah. And then just getting their feedback and getting this criti- uh, well, constructive criticism and learning about, oh, you could also potentially do it this way or it would be a good strategy to do it this way if the student says X, Y, and Z. And it's just getting that feedback. So one of the things that I've appreciated so far and I love is that having that like access mm-hmm. to, that, to, to you guys. To the master teachers, right? Yeah, uh, we definitely try to our best to be available. We try our best to... Be accessible, available, but, you know, to be a support system because mm-hmm. it's hard to get that in other programs. Uh, I had a mentor, and I'll, Dr. Lau with the biology department, man, that, that woman, because of her and her support, she helped guide me through my undergraduate and graduate level. And so she, people would always say, like, well, who's your mentor? So I take that, that term, that word, mentor, very seriously. To guide someone to be just basically to be there and help them, right? She's not my parent. Yeah, she's a there's, mentor. There's a very distinct yeah. difference. She's not a friend. She's a mentor, right? She has a very unique label to her, and so because of her, she altered my life positively uh, to be a better student, better researcher, and a better teacher. I'm like, man, and I've always had this concept in my mind that it's important that if if I have something really good to to bring someone else up like mm-hmm. so if we're going up a ladder and I get to the top I need to bring up a few people with me mm-hmm. so that's kind of like why I got into teaching but I don't know if it wasn't for her I don't know I don't know if we all where, have a where we, I would have been right so yeah, we all have the one teacher or the one person that's kind of like if it wasn't for them we don't know what we'd be doing yeah so that's our philosophy for the UTeach program but so I had my Dr. Lau who was who was it for you? Uh, for me, really, I guess looking back on it, it had to be my, I don't, she wasn't a counselor. She was a teacher there at my old high school, uh, Mrs. Chamblin. She, she, we had a capstone project we had to do for the end of the year. Let me start with that, I guess. Okay. So we had a capstone project we needed to do at the end of our senior year in order to graduate. It was part of the requirements for my school. And she was she acted more as a guide and a, uh, more acted more as a guide and a, a coach more so than a teacher because we'd have in class assignments but they were still related back to the capstone. Yeah. So I'd spend especially the first semester where I had just like come off that uh, psychology train if that makes any sense, where I kind of I was dissuaded from it if that, if to be blunt. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And she pointed me, Mrs. Chamblin, she pointed me towards like, you might want to look like, I think this would be an interesting topic for you to have your, to have your take on it. And the topic at the time was comparing um, test scores between the United States and then other countries with higher test scores. And, like, and from there, it was just refining that project with her and then with um, some outside help because we needed another mentor on top of uh, Mrs. Chamblin. And it was just refining that project and slowly le- refining it from test scores to looking at test scores in different states to refining the to looking at the learning styles that classrooms have. But if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I'd be doing teaching or what I'd be pursuing right now. Yeah. So she had a huge impact on you, mm-hmm. right? And yes, yeah, you said we all have that one person, mm-hmm. you know. And it just depends on honestly, it depends on when you get them. Yeah. I 
I think for me, I mean, I got mine at, at, in college. I mean, some people would say it's kind of a little too late. For I some, don't. You know? I, I mean, at least personally, I, I disagree with that. Because, I, like you said, you got yours in college. I got mine in high school. And at different points in our lives, of course. But yeah. I feel like it, regardless of what time you, uh, uh, like, I guess, get acquire the mentor, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily, like, the time is just... It's a, the time at which you get them is irrelevant because then it's still the experience, the knowledge that you learn from them and that you gain from them. That is going to outweigh like when you got them, if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. I mean, neither one of us knows the answers. <laughs> if I did, I'd be a millionaire. You know? <laughs> That's um, true. So like, wh- let's, let's talk about like your, I know we're just talking about step one right now, but uh, like, what's your future plans? Like what, what are your goals? For graduation when do you want to graduate first of all what's your goal optimally given everything goes well and i don't fail any classes and set myself back um december of 2021 2021 okay so you got it's quite a bit of a uh it's quite a time. bit of time but it's yeah. also not a lot of time yeah well there's no rush i mean oh. <laughs> I, I know that's so easy to say you're like when you're when 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 you have a job and you're paid to to go to work and you guys want to get a job and you want to make money it's so easy for me to say that right but there really is no rush you know learn as much as you can but that's a good that's a good amount of time to learn as many skills as you can and what about after graduation what do you want to do of optimally i'd like to teach for three to five i'd like to teach for any from three to five years so that way i could get some experience so that way i can have an idea of what i'm doing for sure yeah well of course i will but get more experience and then i'd like to pursue my master's at that point okay and then from there, pursue my master's, teach for another three to five years, maybe longer. I, I'm not sure about the time details, obviously, but I know at the end of the day, I am pursuing a doctorate in education. But whether I go the administration route or I, st- I pursue, I pursue like teaching at a at a university, that yeah. I've still yet to decide for myself personally. Okay, yeah, that's 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 a really good that's a really good realistic uh, timeline. Giving yourself time to get used to the job. When you start teaching, start making some money, have a real income, and then figure out where you want to go for graduate mm-hmm. school, right? Um, well, not where. Hopefully, you come to UTRGB. Because <laughs> um, if it's going to be in bio, we have a really good bio program. Uh, but who knows what other opportunities are going to arise between now and then. But yes, definitely get your master's. If, if at the end of the day, if you never get a doctorate, you got to get a master's. Mm-hmm. That's so important. I'm, finish, I'm close to finishing my third master's. Uh, but I don't know. I just like going to school. I like learning things, mm-hmm. just like that. So, that, oh, that's good. Those are some good goals and realistic goals. And you want to teach secondary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I've and then at least at the experience at the level I want to teach, I would need a at bar minimum a master's because I would like to do advanced placement courses, dual enrollment courses. So the courses that require that are higher level, but I know my teachers that they did dual enrollment and they did uh, advanced placement. They all had their masters. Yeah, I mean. How can I? It's it's a tough, it's tough, and getting a master's isn't as difficult as you think it is. I know that might sound like I don't know, like maybe I'm, I don't know, like maybe I'm thinking too much of it in my head. Uh, but I definitely think that it's it's easily obtainable. But I will recommend recommend this: if you're going to do a master's, get a thesis, hmm. do research, get a thesis, so that way you're a scientist. You know science, you know it forwards and backwards. You've contributed mm-hmm. to your field. You've studied, you've read, and you've added to the field. Uh, non-thesis would just be you taking more classes. You've done, you've done that. 
countless times. Yeah. It's time to get your feet wet and do some research. Uh, so I highly recommend thesis for any subject. Do thesis where you have to produce a product. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't. I was gloating about the the, th the three masters just a little bit, <laughs> you know. But I also want to get a doctorate. But the main thing of a doctorate is you have to produce mm -hmm. a product. You have to get data. You have to yeah. get research. You have to be in the field. You're, you have to actually do something. Yeah, you're constantly doing research. That's one of uh, that's what one of that's my my professor for my read course. That's what he was saying that. Even though you have your doctorate, it's not like you get your doctorate and that's it. You constantly have to be putting, doing research and, put, and putting out papers every couple years or so. Yeah. Well, at a, at a collegiate level, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the big bases to being a professor. Like they spend half their time teaching, then they spend more time publishing, right? Mm -hmm. And some universities say, oh, you got to publish two a year. Some you got to say publish 10, depends on where you're at and stuff like that. But, uh, but in regards to you as a student, a master's thesis you will walk away more understanding of the material and the the actual subject that you're studying versus just sitting in a class and doing the same thing over and over yeah. and over again uh that's i mean you teach teachers you that yeah we could talk about classes and pedagogy and we could talk about all that stuff but you got to get in there you got to mm -hmm. get in it if you want an analogy it's like it's like us sitting down and talking about how to ride a bike for four years like, this is how you ride a bike and you know how to you know all the theories and this is how you write you should pedal this way and you got to balance this way and the tires got to be inflated but it doesn't compare to actually doing, doing it. it right yeah. and i mean you you could have a phd in, in writing a bike but you <laughs> need to get on it mm -hmm. and fall down and scrape yourself and realize this is how, i need to learn the real mm -hmm. stuff so i highly recommend a thesis that's just my pitch for that and and I'm sure the university would love for me to say, please do it here at UTRGV. <laughs> and I'm a little biased for that. One, I work for the university. But two, like a lot of people have like, not a lot. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't speak for people. But when I was growing up, uh, when I was, people, people, it was UTPA. People would say bad things about the university. And then I got here and I realized, dude, this university is awesome. Mm -hmm. There's so many intelligent people here. What are these people talking about? What's the community talking about? And so I want to slowly this is like a small goal of mine and everyone at the university really is to slowly change that perception that mm -hmm. that that outside word of mouth yeah like we we are a major institution we're not ut we're not texas a&m but there's something very unique about mm -hmm. this campus that no other campus ut so on and so yeah. forth that they can't replicate they can't there's it can't be replicated and so i want i want the university to have the image that it deserves mm -hmm. and I, I i mean that was years ago i'm basing this on like 15 years ago <laughs> i mean i'm not 20 years old right but what i'm saying is that i don't ever want I, I don't ever want somebody who's in fifth in fifth grade now that when they become eligible for college that between fifth grade and them turning 18 that there's a negative connotation for the university mm -hmm. i always wanted to be positive and being here like we have a great science program great education program uh, the physics department is doing phenomenal work with uh, SpaceX. I'm yeah. a huge fan of the of the women's basketball team. Like the teams are really mm -hmm. good. The volleyball team is good. Hey man, we need more publicity because <laughs> we're we're doing awesome, right? So yeah, I'm a little biased because I want I want people to stay at, at UT RGB and stuff like that. But no, that's, of course, that's that's that. There's no shame in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. You know, sometimes it's kind of like if you were in a, in a losing team, you'd be like, yeah, we're not that good. Right? <laughs> we, but UTRGV is not a losing team. They're fantastic. It's a great university. Mm -hmm. And I know that both as a student and as a faculty member. So because I, as I said, I'm still taking classes. So 
but enough about me. This is supposed to be about you, right? <laughs> uh, so, like, what's a takeaway you'd want to give to anybody who's listening to this podcast? Like, it could be about the program. It could be about being a student. Anything. One takeaway, if they pick up, if they just pick up one thing from listening to this, huh. I think I'd have to go with, I, I, I don't, just seek out opportunities that interest you. Don't be afraid of the rejection that comes with them. If you apply to a job and then of course they turn you down, yes, it's unfortunate, but don't dwell on it. It happened, just accept it and find another opportunity yeah. and keep moving for it. Turn into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And you had said that previously. But outside of that, outside of the university and outside of you teach, like what are your interests? Outside, uh, honestly, one of the, my favorite thing to do in my spare time is I love to write. Like I, oh. I love to write like not, I can't write a novel. Well, I shouldn't say I can't write a novel because I'm more than capable of doing it, obviously. Mm-hmm. but or well shameless bragging you've had that idea like oh this would be a good story right mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've, ha- I've had that idea too and it's just, mm-hmm. i'm never i'm not gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I like to write like short little pieces like short little stories every now and then like when i have my free time and i'm just i have my downtime and i'll just be sitting there in an area and i can just kind of observe i like to sit back and observe and i'll just think i can write a story about that or i'll see a little interaction between between two people I, two complete strangers i have no clue who they are and then I think to myself, I can write. I can write something about that. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite things to do. The other thing is, well, given every, well, I'd say I shouldn't say every. Given most, most um, men my age, twenty, twenty one, video games. <laughs> but it's I, I like to I like to write and then read. Like I'm always constantly looking for a new article to read or something that's gonna like something that I'm curious about or something that I'll he- overhear from another conversation and I'll think, I don't know about that. Let me find out about it. Let me read about it. Mm-hmm. So what's something you've read recently? Um, it actually would have to be that it was like a lot of the articles I like to read are about space. Okay. And then so like I've always had a fascination with space and then astronomy. And I think like I think like most kids that were younger, they wanted to be an astronaut. And I was, and I proudly say I'm one of them. But I, one of the articles I remember I was reading was that there that scientists were close to discovering like dark matter and being able to produce it. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and then it's just this whole like, of course, you have the quantum physics, quarks, and then you get into all the neutron stars and the particles within them, and all this theoretical stuff. But it's also it's interesting to me. Yeah. So it's just this kind of like vast open space so why are you not teaching physics because I, mean, <laughs> I can't those two work those two worlds come together as much as i may as much as i love space and of course how physics incorporates into it i i kind of have this personal belief that if i'm not comfortable or if i'm not proficient in learning it by default i shouldn't be proficient enough to teach it it's kind of this if x then y it's a okay. it's a little bit of a harsh philosophy but that's at least for me at least i apply that to myself Okay, but based on what we the conversations we've had so far, I mean, I'm pretty sure I can give you a physics book and you can teach it better than probably most people if you gave if you gave yourself like a year, maybe two years. Okay, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I mean, high, high school physics. I mean, you if if you can handle if you can make it through college and you can make it through a few years of teaching, I'm pretty sure you I can give you the textbook and you can say 
let me use these skills. Remember we talked about those avid strategy skills. Yeah. You can use these skills and I can teach this. And it'll be a little rough in the beginning. You're going to make some mistakes. Oh, yeah. But I course. imagine you'd be proficient in it. And then you'd probably say, oh, I love physics. It's like so much better than bio or chem because, and then you would, mm-hmm. you would have justification for that. I, I'd say that's fair, but I, I guess it's just to tie it back to what one of my friends said. Math is fun when you know what you're doing. <laughs> Well, that's anything. But yeah, right? that's anything. That that could be applied to anything, of course. Right. I but mean, I lo- I love running. Mm-hmm. But if you take someone out of shape, they're like, man, I ain't doing that. You're crazy. <laughs> their 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 chest is burning and their legs are burning. Like, well, you got to get to a certain level yeah. of fitness before it becomes fun. Mm-hmm. The same's got to be true for knowledge. Just about anything else. Yeah. Right? Like, how do you write? Like, how do you write a proper sentence? Like, when you when you're making fifty errors in a paper. Like, man, I can't write. And then you get better and better and better. And yeah, it's a, it's a trial. It's trial and error. Yeah. So you got to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Once you get to that cer- that level, then you're then you start to see the uh, beauty in it. Yeah. And I that's why I'm thinking like you could do it. You could do physics, but I will say for the UTeach program, we're going to certify you in your degree. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get a degree in bio, that's what we're going to certify you. So, but in the future, you could yeah. easily take the composite exam and. And attempt physics and see how you do with that. Yeah, maybe in due time. But as of right now, I'm gonna stick to bio just because I'm comfortable with that and I know it a little. I know it a little bit better than I trust myself with physics. Okay. So you had an <laughs> yet you had an interest in space, NASA. Ever visited NASA? No, honestly, and that's because I passed through Houston a couple times in my life, but I've never been fortunate enough to go visit the space center. I've wanted to ever since, of course, I was a little kid, but I've never. Something's always come up one way or another, or it's just I don't have time, or it's, well, especially as I've gotten older, I don't have a lot of time because now I'm dedicating it most to school. Yeah. But no, I've never been fortunate enough, unfortunately, to visit the space center. We had a. I took some students from the Brownsville campus. I took them over to Mississippi, and I don't even remember the name. I'm horrible with names. Um, but Mr. Valencia, master teacher from the Brownsville campus, he set all this up. And he took his students to Houston, and I took the other batch of students, and we took them to Mississippi. And we were at, there's a NASA mm-hmm. center there, and that's where they make the rockets, and they test the rockets. And we were there for about a week. Really? And it was, it was fantastic. And it was for, it was in the summer, and it was only for minority-serving institutions. Oh, okay. So UTRGV was, was a minority-serving institution. You apply, everything was free. They covered the hotel, they covered, I think they even gave us a stipend. It was great. Really? And uh, I should talk to him and see if we can get that going again. If not, maybe I could take the lead on it. But yeah, the students went to NASA and it was all focused on teachers. So it has to be a minority serving institution, but it's for STEM educators. So they were showing us all these great resources, uh, lessons and things like that. But then we would spend the other half of the day like touring the facility. We had to have a badge and we had to get cleared. They have a badging system. You can't just walk in. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that was fantastic. So, I mean, maybe in the future we could try something like that. Or maybe in the future you can lead it and take some of your students with you in the future. Uh, some of your high school students. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to look it up, see if I can find it. But there's opportunities there. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And since you have an interest in NASA, I highly recommend you look at their teaching resources because NASA's. NASA is fantastic for problem-based instruction mm-hmm. and any mathematical or just problem-solving resources. So there's some bio lessons in it, like having to grow plants in space, mm-hmm. uh, the survival of like organisms in space, the effect that gra- it has on gravity. 
but physics also has like uh, laws, like force equals mass times mm -hmm. acceleration. And so I have a really good lesson on that. But since you're interested in NASA, you're going to be a teacher. Really look at NASA resources. Like take full advantage of the resources. Yeah. Because yeah. it's free. It's free. It's, it's paid for by the, by the citizens, mm -hmm. uh, U.S. citizens. Our taxpayers' money gives it, gives it there, is there for us. Uh, and I highly recommend you use it. And I could probably share some of that stuff with you later on since you have an interest in that. Yeah, definitely. I right. mean, like I said, the more, the bigger the stockpile of, my, of resources and strategies I've got, the better. Yeah. And that, and that would be 100% free for you. So I got to find that, see if I can find it for you. Uh, so any, any anything else you want to bring up or discuss? I mean... I've run through my questions. <laughs> I mean, I guess if we can stray a little bit off topic, if that's okay, I did notice the bobbleheads that you have up here. Yeah. I noticed that last time I was in your office when I was getting the, when I had come here before I, I taught. Yeah. And I noticed the, the bobbleheads and I wanted to ask, do you play or do you keep up with the series or for, so, with Fallout? So Ramsey's asking me about some bobbleheads I have in my office and they're from a game called Fallout. So obviously, I mean, so <laughs> the theme of this podcast is supposed to be about the YouTube program, but let's deviate for just a minute, right? Uh, yeah, I started. I when I was in high, when I was in college, I started playing Fallout Three, and then oh, okay. I played New Vegas. Oh, man, these are fun. Playing a role, mm -hmm. I played them all. I played the smart guy, the dumb guy, the nice guy, the evil guy. Uh, it was fascinating. The new ones, though, oh, no sir, no <laughs> sir. I I don't like that. So I like the bobbleheads. It's always a conversation starter mm -hmm. for the students, and uh, ironically, as a faculty member. You know, you want to share things with students. It's, it's like a, it's an icebreaker. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so some people have come in like, hey, Mr. Sondo. And then they see that and I, you play and they ask questions. I think, yeah, I, I grew up with video games just like you guys <laughs> did. You know, don't think that because I'm, I'm 30. Uh, how old am I? 35. Um, don't think that just because I'm older, I don't have, I don't have the time to play as much. Oh, yeah, With course. my job. But like during the winter break, I'll try to, to catch play, up. Every catch now up. Then. And it's fun. You could, you know, let's steer this towards education a little mm -hmm. bit. There's actually a lot to learn from video games because there's that trial and error. Yeah. Can mm -hmm. I can I jump in the water? Is that going to kill me? Um, you know, you learn you learn how the game works. So sometimes you, okay, so I need to kill that guy, right? And I go to the right, and that path doesn't work, and I die. Darn it! What do I do? Well, you go to the left. Go to the middle. So you're you're I, trying you're trying different things. Yeah, and that's uh, tying back to another video game, and it's just kind of like this, like where it's a. Uh, you're fighting this boss, and it's at the end. The it's a linear corridor, and the boss is sending out like these waves of like energy that'll damage you. Yeah. And you have to either jump or crouch to avoid getting hit by them. And it's just this like learning, learning. It's a, it's a, it's a simple kind of learning where you're just learning that pattern. But even then, when just when you think you have the pattern down, it's switched. Mm -hmm. And then it's just having to repeat that trial and error, and potentially like dying and having to restart. Yeah. And it's just that learning of going through it, like, okay, which wave is he going to do next? And it's more so not, it's not learning a pattern. It's more so like, it's not, it's anticipating, but it's more watching what's going to happen next and learning like the movements of the mm -hmm. boss that you're fighting yeah. kind of deal. And so once again, connecting that to education, that to get to that quote unquote boss, you have to start at level one mm -hmm. and level one is very easy. They show you how to do things. This is what X does. This mm -hmm. is what O does. Now try it push O and mm -hmm. so you you push O and it picks up the box and mm -hmm. you push X and it moves to the left whatever it is right so in the first levels you're, it's very guided it's, it's very, very guided right and that's kind of like how any subject is like well let me talk about some of the basics mm -hmm. you want but 
they tell you what X stands for, but you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. You you are the person who's moving the character. So in any lesson, you have the students have to get their hands with it. Yeah. If if the game did everything for you, it would be a movie, mm-hmm. and that's a very passive uh, learning le- approach. Learning approach, right? Like, watching a movie, you might be emotionally engaged. You might be scared. You might be anxious but there's things supporting those emotions like music and explosions and stuff all the the ambience yeah yeah so i mean that's why like i i've always been an advocate for people playing some type of of game Mm -hmm. whether it be tetris uh because that's problem solving skills and anticipating and moving things chess people always say like chess is 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 a game of the brain any game is right Mm -hmm. because you're problem solving you're thinking ahead so you know, so I, I have to bring that into education. So yeah. there's a justification for us talking about it. <laughs> but it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. I will say this, though, in connection to students, as a, a person who was in college, and in college I played a lot of video games. Like, don't let that become your life. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because it's going to it's gonna take away from your learning. Mm-hmm. Right? But that game will be there. It ain't going to go anywhere. And you'll be able to play it during the holiday break or something like that. But, yeah, yeah uh, to answer your question, yeah, I... I played Fallout and I still I still try to play Fallout New Vegas when I whenever I have a chance. Mm-hmm. That game was a fantastic and I remember that game uh, very much because I started playing that game my first semester of teaching. Really? So I had just gotten a job in August and then that game came out in October. I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't be playing this. <laughs> uh, because I have papers to grade. Yeah, I, have, I actually have to be an adult, right? <laughs> Uh, geez, that makes me feel old, but yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn in video games. There's a lot to learn in everything, and and one one thing to connect it to what you were talking about, uh, stories. Like I have experienced mm-hmm. some wonderful stories through movies, but also video games. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the the very first Walking Dead, uh, the Telltale game. Oh, okay. Where with Clementine and yeah. all that. Oh man, if you play that game, that that game will shatter your heart, man. It's yeah, it's, it's that. That game allowed me the opportunity to see what it was like to be a father. You know, I don't have kids, uh, so like, wow, like it, it hits it hits you right. Mm-hmm. So that goes for you, like stories. Yeah, and the stories you write might be very impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. But and the last thing in, in connection, because remember, this is supposed to be about you, not me. <laughs> uh, is that let's bring in you even in your bio class, you can bring in storytelling. So you say you like to write stories. Get the kids to write a story about photosynthesis, and it could just tell them it has to be fiction. Make it up, make up mm-hmm. the characters and all that stuff, and write me one page. It could do that. And you know what's interesting about that is that my wife works in a library, and kids don't know how to use Google. They don't know how to use Google Docs or Microsoft Word. Really? Yeah. They can use well, their. They can use an iPad and they can use their phones, but they don't know how to. Use but the moment it comes to like the actual yeah. writing, wow. So. That's where I have an advantage. Like, oh, the, the older person in the room has an advantage, <laughs> right? Because I grew up with that. I took a typing class when I was in high school or middle school. Uh, so I know how to yeah. type, type, type. So but that doesn't make me superior. It's just It just means that you those... You have the experience. I have the experience, so I need to share that with mm-hmm. the students. Hey, embed that in your bio class. Oh, you got 15 minutes that you need to productively mm-hmm. use. Tell the students, you have 15 minutes, write me a... a half a page story about photosynthesis is what we're talking about mm-hmm. make up the characters and you might find a you might find a really good writer in there that can share some of your you can mm-hmm. share some of your interest with that student yeah connect with them yeah and then I, and then tying it back further to the you teach program and and everything that comes with it it's that's technology incorporated so it ties back to stem 
So then it's just getting them to learn about it and use it. And then, of course, we, of course, as adults, we have the experience. But then as our younger students don't, they might have experience using their phones or using the iPads. But yeah. when it comes to the actual, like like you said, like Microsoft Word or Google Docs, then, they ha- then they're in a sense, not being forced to learn, but in a sense, that's what, it, that's what it boils down to, that they're learning like how to use it, even if they might not want to write the story. But to be fair, I can't, to be fair, I can't say, I can't say, of course you, you can't say, you don't say anything bad about your students, of course, but I can't, you can't make fun of them as a, as a professional to a student, because at one point I remember being that student mm-hmm. where I didn't want to write those stories. I didn't want to, if a teacher had me do a writing assignment, I never want to do it. And I would do it begrudgingly, but I turn it in and then I just forget about it and I go on with the rest of my day in high school. And then the teacher, I remember I had one of my, it was my history teacher. He called me into his class or he asked me to stay after class and he told me like, why don't you pursue writing? Yeah. You, you have a knack for it. I re, I've seen it. And I'm just like, sir, I, I, I'm just doing the assignment that you told me to do. I'm not trying to write you a story. And that, and that's when he told me, like, just keep it in mind. It's it's something you're good at. And it's kind of stuck with me ever since. And it's turned into something that while I don't, I, as much as I want to, I don't actively seek out and, like, sharpen my skills in writing. Yeah. It's something that I'm more so, like, I passively do if I have, going back to that downtime and just having that free time where I can just kind of look at something or I can read up and I'll just come up with something like that. Although I've noticed I have more, I have more, uh, success creative creatively writing then if i'm given a prompt in front of me and i'm just like then it's uh uh based on the author's quote uh x y and z this is how the author intends to feel what do you think the author or what do you think the author is trying to portray and can you use can you explain the justification of course that's like a academic writing assignment yeah which they're necessary and of course they're useful but I guess it's just because it, then it ties back to where it's a student's interest. So, of course, they have a lot more drive to want to do it. Yeah, that's tough because you need to have like a rubric. You need to have guidelines. Mm-hmm. So I, so in that, in that in your little example where I say tell the students to write about photosynthesis, like we want to write about photosynthesis, but you got to use these five terms. Mm-hmm. Get them in there. Right? Yeah. You got to have some type of metric because mm-hmm. then kids are. It, it's a guideline. So you have the, the weak, the weaker student who has no clue what you're talking about. Like, oh, I need to write about it and have these five sentences mm-hmm. real clear. For the more advanced student, they might say, oh, I could, I could write you two pages, and I'll, I'll throw those words in, and I'll throw in these other ten words, just mm-hmm. right. But it's so that you have that range. That's one yeah. of the good things about a rubric. Um, and some of the things you're talking about in, in your experiences with with teachers, I agree that I agree that uh, you want to give something to students so that they can maybe remember. But it's, I honestly think it's your response to how you get things from a student. So a student might tell you, uh, might give you a, uh, the answer. You can easily say, no, that's, yeah. You what can, are you, crazy? That's, that's yeah. not the right, that's, I mean, your response to that, that type of response is not going to be good. But a response that says like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Can you give me some evidence for that? Can mm-hmm. you justify it? Now, all of a sudden, you never told them that you're wrong. You never told them anything, but you're just trying to figure out. You're digging into the logic as yeah. to how that student the, thinks. The rationale behind it. Yeah. So I've had I've had teachers in the past who are like, this is wrong, do it again. Well, dude, I don't know what you want me to do. I, you're telling me it's wrong, but you're not mm-hmm. giving me guidelines. You're, I mean, you, you have to. You're, you're telling me it's wrong, but you're not explaining what I did wrong and it, how I can fix it. Exactly. And at, when, when you're being told that in elementary, middle, or high school, when 
you don't have the cognitive abilities to problem solve. At least I didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you're looking for something that's going, you need to set me up for success. So, mm -hmm. so you start small. So you might say, I need you to fix this first paragraph. This first paragraph doesn't make any sense. What's the main idea? Yeah. So we'll fix that. And then after after I come to you, I'm like, great. So you have some positive mm -hmm. important. You fix that. Mm -hmm. Now let's work on the next one. Mm -hmm. Let's reaffirm. You go one by one. One by it's, one by it's one. It's one by one, and then it's positive reaffirmment, uh, yeah. reinforcement each time. Exactly. And if you if you so if you if you as a teacher can respond and say, so th these kids don't understand anything. They know absolutely zero. I need to build them up from zero to one. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, your other group of kids, they got it. They're at like level two. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, let's see if I can get them to level four mm -hmm. by the end of the week or something like that. So all it is is building students up. Yeah. Some students are going to be behind. Some students are going to be advanced. I'm really bad at math, but I was pretty good at science. Mm -hmm. So in math, I might be negative one. And you got to <laughs> get me back to a positive one. In science, I was like at a two. You could take me up to a four. It's all these things. It's just, of course, every student's every student is their own. And it's just like learning from, okay, this student might be might need might need more help in math but then when it comes to science they're stellar they got, it. they got it yeah and most people want and you know we talked about turning into your your anxieties and your fears and your frustrations mm -hmm. but most people turn into the path that's the least the path of least resistance, resistance. so hey i'm really good at this i'm going to do that mm -hmm. i'm really good at, at theater so i'm going to be a performer I'm like yeah but you also need to at least have the experience uh, an experience in science and understanding of science and respect for it mm-hmm so I think it's if, if teachers would have that philosophy, it would be pretty good. You can't control the kids. The, the, you, if you have a 16-year-old kid, if you did a survey of 16-year-old kids, most of them are going to say, like, if I didn't have to learn this, I wouldn't learn it. Like, just like you said, if you said you wouldn't write your, your essay or your stories because you was being forced upon you, right? Mm -hmm. We would all turn into our interests, in which case I wouldn't I, – I would if in high school, I probably would have done – let's see here. I probably would have done – technology like media technology really like this stuff like i loved editing movies love making movies uh it would have been that in science i would not have done math i would not have done math. And english <laughs> like i like reading but english doesn't interest me mm. so i would have turned into what was easier for me and i think i think the yeah. same would be for everybody else yeah no definitely and i mean looking back on it now i remember thinking okay teaching it's just you stand in front of the classroom you give them the instructions and then you go stand on your desk that's what I, I remember thinking that initially when I first got that uh, that guidance back in high school. And then once I started working on the capstone and I realized like, okay, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more you have to, there's a lot more psychology behind it than just simply standing in front of the classroom and holding the student's attention. Yeah. And then of course, being here at the UTeach program, I've gotten, of course, leagues more experience with the lesson plans, what goes into them, how like articulate and how detailed you have to be in them mm -hmm. and then even and even when of course speaking to you and the other master teachers where i've had that like okay i think this is good enough like i think like i've done the best i can and then of course going back to what you you were saying prior that yes this is it's excellent but let's fit like what's the logic behind this why and then just fixing that and then moving on and going through it so that while the lesson plan was good to begin with it's now even better and it's that constructive criticism and just kind of learning. Yeah. And I, I guess tying back to my initial point that I didn't think teaching would be that difficult when I first started. But of course, now that I've gone through it and I've gone through, I can say I've gone through a I've gone through a year's worth of teaching, whether it's through my 
prior tutoring job or here more specifically here at the university where I'm studying for it it's that kind of realization like oh snap there's a lot more that goes into it than I yeah. ever would have thought of or ever realized I think that's universal for everything man uh, so I, so from since I have like 13 years on you I would say that teaching oh man it's so easy no it's not um <laughs> Riding a bike. So I do Ironmans and all that stuff. Like, oh, I'll ride a bike for 56 miles. You don't know how hard that is. <laughs> Riding <laughs> a bike. You actually do. Oh, my. Because you're used to like, oh, I'm just going to, you know. Casually. Casually. You're used to cruising down the street. Like, you're, we're riding 56 miles at a for, for three and a half hours, man. <laughs> you know? And at then a, you got to run 13 miles after that, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, oh, 13 miles, you just keep running. Like, no, you can run a mile. Not do it an additional Not 12 times. Yeah. Uh, so whether it's Ironman teaching if you think about it driving a car is easy mm. but when you when you first when you start it, like, oh my god i don't know what i'm doing and you have to take in all these things where's that guy going where's that is that is that a, is that a squirrel you know yeah all these things everything appears easy and one of the reasons for that is that you see the final result all you see is the final result you don't see what goes into it exactly so you know you see you see mr sears and you're like man that guy knows so much but you don't see how he's up early and he's up late reading, preparing for things. Yeah. Like, dude, I, I, why am I not doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, I tell people all the time, like, hey, man, I, I, oh, I just completed my, my Ironman. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. How long was it? Oh, it was like seven and a half hours. Uh, but you don't see the, hour, the training, the, the getting days, up early. Yeah, the weeks the, that go of training that yeah. go into it, yeah. Me saying, like, hey, I have an hour to kill between classes. Like, let me go swim 45 mm -hmm. minutes, right? You don't see that. So whether it's Ironman, education, being a parent – uh whatever it is like you don't see it i we if that was the case then we can easily say that certain professions have it easy and certain professions oh, have it hard yeah. they all have that embedded uh difficulty mm -hmm. in them and that that would be my takeaway from today's podcast is that <laughs> you know hopefully at the end of this like we started off with who ramsey was we introduced our, ourselves and now we know a little bit more about who you are so now we know a little bit about what led up to who you are today mm -hmm. 10 years from now who knows what you're going to be doing, right? But we nobody knows the, the, the fine details. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, day-to-day, day-to-day it's different. So who's to say where any of us will be from 10 years from now? Yeah. And it's always always keep a student mentality. Mm -hmm. I uh, I learned that probably around like 26. I'm like, you know what? Just, just You have be, to constantly be learning. Be learning always. Learn new things. And if you don't, I, I never want to, you know what it was for me? Mm. Uh, I was working with some students and I had to do an Excel document. And I'm like, I know how to work. I know how to use Excel. I know how to use Excel better than these kids. Yeah. Right? And I'm doing something and I can't get it to work. And then right there, there was a moment where I said, do I ask the students? <laughs> and I, I was only 26. But man, I felt like such an old man because I said, uh, am I going to say, oh, so-and-so, could you come over here and, and tell me how to do this? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm going I'm a, in, in a weird my stubbornness was was helping me there because I said I'm going to learn how to do this mm -hmm. so I, I, I googled it I figured it out and I got it it didn't take that long to figure yeah. out but was I going to rely on someone else to do it no I need to learn mm -hmm. so I've always tried to have that mentality just constantly learning 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 because whether you're you could be a 26 year old guy with a doctorate and not know anything or you can be a 47 year old man who's like i don't really know anything i don't know how, i don't know how the computers work mm -hmm. i don't know how the ipads work what is this stuff it doesn't matter the age always be learning yep it's the most important thing you can get
So we're about to wrap it up. We're going on about an hour. Anything, any last words you want to share with any of the listeners? Hopefully we have like a billion listeners listening to this. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'll be I'll be sharing it for that way. Everyone like that I'm in contact with on, on the internet, they can hear it. They can hear it and see it. But I mean, just first of all, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. And just like, I guess the, to end on the high note, don't be afraid of like, don't be afraid to confront what you're like anxious about or don't be afraid of failure and then never stop learning. Yeah. All right. That's a good summary for it. All right. So this is the end of our very first podcast. We're wrapping it up. Uh, great conversation with Ramsey Quintanilla, who's in step one. Uh, all right. Thank you. I'm Omar Alisondo. Ramsey, thanks for thanks for being here, man. I appreciate yes, it. Sir, definitely. Thank and, you. And uh, hopefully, maybe you can come along when you're a little later down the program. We could do another one and see if there's an update. All right. Thanks for listening. Now I'm feeling so far away I see the colors and all the kids